What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. How you guys doing? How is your week? Thanks for joining us on a Thursday. Today is the 17th. My God. We're back. We're finally back from Las Vegas. I got out to uh, Vegas for the first time since the whole COVID thing had started. I usually get out to out to, to Las Vegas several times a year, usually every couple months, but uh, first time in a while. So good to get back there, hit some tables, a couple of sports bets, just, uh, you know, just back in Vegas. So it was really good to get back. And actually, I was supposed to come back, fly back to Denver on Tuesday night. And uh, as I had kind of teased earlier uh, in, in the week when I did Monday's show, is that we were going to post... Tuesday's show on Wednesday morning and all that stuff, but uh, unfortunately, Southwest had grounded all of their planes. Did you did you see this? Did you see this? Hear about this? Uh, Southwest apparently, I don't know a lot of the details, but something happened to where a weather data glitch occurred at Southwest, and they ended up grounding. I think every single plane on Tuesday morning. And so initially, I was kind of panicking. Whatever, get in the get get on the uh, Southwest app. And they had only delayed our plane 10 minutes. So we were going to leave at 440. Instead, it was 450. It's like, okay, no big deal. And I get a text message about an hour after that. And the text says, your you know flight, whatever, whatever, to Denver has been canceled. And that was it. No, <laughs> no let's move it or let's reschedule any of that. Just good luck. You know, it, it's canceled. So it's kind of scrambled at that point. Got some tickets for the following day. Got one more uh, night booked at the MGM. We stayed at Mandalay Bay the first couple nights, but the MGM the last night. But uh, it was fun. You know, if there's one city that I'm going to be stranded in, it, it no better than Las Vegas, you know? So we hit some more tables, went and had some nice dinner, and it was good. So finally back, and uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start our new schedule. I thought, what a, what a better time than to bring out the new schedule uh, new weekly lineup. So stay tuned on Twitter. If uh, you're not following us right now, give us a follow at Sharp Angle Pod, and we'll post all of our show changes like this. Right, the weekly lineup. It's going to be different. We used to do hockey on Mondays, soccer on Wednesdays, NBA on Thursdays, so on and so forth. What we're doing now, making it a little bit more broad throughout the week. So Thursdays will be deep dive Thursdays. Mondays now, well, let's start Monday. Mondays now, what we're going to do is take a look back at the weekend. It's just going to simply be a weekend review. Look at our bets, look at some odds, things like that in the world of sports betting. What happened last weekend? That's going to be our new Monday show. Tuesday, we're going to keep Concept Tuesday. That's our most popular show, except for the weekends right now. And uh, we're not going to mess with that. So Tuesday, still Concept Tuesday. Wednesday will be Trending Wednesday. And really, we're going to talk about anything going on in the sports betting world. Uh, Wednesday, next week, I'm sure we'll talk NHL and NBA playoffs, right? What's going on right now in the world that matters in sports betting? <laughs> let's, let's go in sports betting, right? We're going to be talking about the most important things on Wednesdays, trending Wednesday. Thursday will be deep dive Thursday. So we're moving deep dive Friday to Thursday. That's what we're doing today. I'll do a deep dive on the US Open. And then Fridays from now until, I don't know, end of January, football Friday. And you may say, Tyler, what do you mean football? It's June. Oh, folks, college football, NFL, there is more than enough to talk about. And look, most of you betting 
will bet at least a little bit of NFL. So why not start talking about rankings? And we're, we're going to go deep with this stuff. We're going to go uh, the obvious, the coach rankings, quarterback rankings, things like that. But we're going to go roster by roster, team by team. And really, if you, if you don't miss a football Friday from now to the beginning of football season, you're going to be ready to go, ready to hit the ground running for college football and the NFL. So Friday's now dedicated to football. That's going to be a lot of fun. And then the weekends, quick picks. We're keeping Saturday and Sunday quick picks. So new lineup. If you want that in writing or in detail, go to Twitter at Sharp Angle Pod, and we'll post that on there as well. All right, let's get to it. Let's get back into the show. It is Deep Dive Thursday, and we're going to talk about the U.S. Open, one of the bigger sports tournaments all year long is the U.S. Open, and there's some really interesting storylines. We'll talk odds and give a little preview on today's podcast. First things first, special thanks to Better Edge, online, betteredge.com. And most people listening today and most shows like sports betting. I understand there's a couple of you out there who don't sports bet and you like the the sports takes or to look at it from a different point of view, whatever, but most, most of the audience likes to sports bet. Well, how would you like to do two things with your sports betting? Make more money and make the entire process more fun and more inclusive. Who wouldn't want that, right? BetterEdge.com allows you to take sports betting to the next level. So first of all, making more money, Better Edge doesn't charge VIG. Seriously, VIG free betting exists today. It's legal at BetterEdge.com. And while we're talking about legal, they're not really technically a sports book. They're more of a social platform where you can legally sports bet. So in a lot of states right now, i.e. Nevada, Arizona, other states where sports betting isn't legal yet, you can bet perfectly legal at betteredge.com. And it's all VIG free, okay? So they're getting rid of the VIG, letting you win more money. But they make it more fun also because it's social. You get your friends on there. You can follow other people, message them. There's tournaments. There's uh, competitions. It's such a different experience. What you can do is make more money betting sports and have more fun doing it. Online, betteredge.com. Use promo code SHARP for a free $10. And so they know you heard about them right here on the Sharp Angle Podcast. Betteredge.com, promo code SHARP. All right, let's do it. No more time wasted. U.S. Open 2021. All right, so just starting off with a couple notes on the U.S. Open. This is a different type of tournament. Every single year, the U.S. Open favors big hitters and hot putters. Who can get down off the tee? Who can drive deep into the course and then work their way out of these very difficult, long, thick, tough roughs and then make some putts? So traditionally, historically, Long hitters off the tee who catch fire on the green are the kind of guys who do well in the U.S. Open. Last couple years, true to form. Last year, Bryson DeChambeau won. 2019, Gary Woodland. Uh, Brooks Kepka won back-to-back in 17-18. And then Dustin Johnson won in 2016. Clearly, there's a theme going on here. Heavy hitters, hard hitters, long off the tee. And all these guys did get hot and start putting well during the tournament. The odds right now, some current odds, John Rahm is the favorite. And we're going to go kind of player by player, at least for some of these top guys on the board right now. But John Rahm, John Rahm is the overwhelming favorite at right around 10 to 1. Some places you'll find it 11 to 1, 12 to 1. And by the way, for these futures bets, I'm going to go to betonline.com. The reason I'm going to use BetOnline for the show today, they originate in golf. They're one of the few sports books who takes opening bets in golf. And so this is a really good source, I think, for good, accurate, sharp numbers on Thursday morning before this tournament starts. So John Rahm is 11 to 1 on uh, betonline.com. 
So clearly, he's the uh, the overwhelming favorite there. John Rahm, eleven to one. Brooks Kepka, Xander Schauffele, uh Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, kind of in that next category. They're all right around sixteen, seventeen to one. And then uh, Rory McIlroy, twenty to one. Colin Morikawa, twenty-two to one. And then uh, Jordan Spieth, twenty-two to one. And it goes on from there. So we're gonna focus on some of the bigger names who are either atop the leaderboard or who have some good storylines going into this week. And I want to start off with Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka. These guys, I love what's going on between these two. It's this feud. They don't like each other. They're chirping. They're talking shit. They don't like it. And I personally think it's great for golf. I mean, it gets people who may not be engaged initially engaged. There's not that many people who just drool waiting over the US Open, but now that you add sort of this drama and this dislike for one another between DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka, I think it's great for the sport. Remember when Happy Gilmore came out and a lot of people were saying this is what golf needs, golf needs to and then eventually it faded back in and the purists went out and it's like no, this is what golf needs. Baseball needs to get rid of this whole unwritten rules thing. Golf needs more of this. Unfortunately, I guess the uh, PGA called Bryson DeChambeau and offered him to play in the same group as Brooks Kepka. They called both these guys, okay? Brooks Kepka said, hell yeah, bring it on. Bryson DeChambeau said, nah, I don't think so, you know? And something to keep in mind is that when you're handicapping golfers, you have to handicap the, the, the mental ability. How do they do in tough tournaments, in, in high-pressure situations? How have they done historically? And Bryson DeChambeau, to me, is not one of those guys who performs well with that chip on his shoulder when he's got something, you know, you know kind of bugging him, kind of pushing him along. That's not how DeChambeau plays well. That's exactly how Brooks Kepka plays well. Kepka needs that kind of motivation, that, that push, that edge, and DeChambeau doesn't. So if these two do end up playing together or anything like that further along in the tournament, day two, three, four... Uh, you have to give a slight edge to Brooks Kepka. These guys hate each other, but given that extra little mental edge, that's got to be something that we at least put out there. But I thought it was interesting. Brooks Kepka said, yeah, I want to do it. And Bryson DeChambeau said, absolutely not, which feeds into our handicap, you know, kind of with the way they think. So uh, the interesting storyline there, if they end up being paired together through the tournament, because early on, on day one on Thursday, Golfers aren't technically supposed to be able to pick their groups, things like that, even though DeChambeau sort of did pick his group by saying he didn't want to play with Kepka, whatever. Through the tournament, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're paired with whoever's closest to you on the on the leaderboard. So, well, usually. Sometimes they make exceptions, but that's usually the rule. So if DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka are 1-2 going into Sunday, they'll be playing together. So this does matter if they play together, at least this mental handicap, but it's just something that I love. It's good for golf, good for this tournament. Bryson, DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, uh, they're feuding. They are pissed. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it's just, uh, it's, it, it's uh, interesting. All right, uh, Phil Mickelson. This is probably the biggest story this week. Phil has... Uh, not won the U.S. Open ever, and this could be his time. You know, he's won earlier this year. He's playing very well, and he's taken this really, really seriously, at least more seriously than he has in the past for tournaments like this. Uh, they closed off the course, uh, what was it, a couple days ago? I forget exactly when they did. But since this course has been closed to the public, Phil Mickelson has been out there practicing and practicing and practicing. That's not usually what Phil does. So he's kind of switching it on for this tournament. He knows that this will define his legacy and he's going all in. 
He, I, I, I heard, I read an article that said he turned his phone off on Tuesday, so he hasn't been getting any phone calls, any texts. He's dialed in. He's pulling the old uh, LeBron James. And Phil Mickelson gets the, the highest upgrade of any golfer who gets to play around people. You remember when people started coming back in hockey and soccer and basketball and baseball? It's like, okay, this matters, but how much in each sport? How much for each team? It's different for everyone. Phil Mickelson is someone who plays better with a crowd around him. So that will be an upgrade for Phil. And looking at the odds right now, I know I may have mentioned this earlier. Where, where's Phil? Where's Waldo? Phil, Phil, Phil. Oh, God. He's not even close up there. Where are you, Phil? I mean, I'm going to have to scroll here. 55 to 1. So this is actually another good example of media-driven stories and then what the true odds represent. And whenever there's one thing that ESPN says and it greatly, greatly contradicts what the market says every single time, a thousand times out of a thousand, I go to the market to see what's more accurate, what, what the truth is. And the truth here is that Phil Mickelson would be a great story uh, probably the best story. I think the TV executives and producers, they're all rooting for Phil. But realistically, he doesn't have a great shot this tournament. He doesn't do well what you need to win the U.S. Open. There's a reason Phil Mickelson's never won this tournament. So while it would be a good story, he's 55 to 1, and he's going to have to have the round of his life to even be in it. So I wouldn't put much Phil money out there. I don't think 55 to one's good value at all. But it's interesting that they're still, I think, in my opinion, juicing Phil up, and he's all the way down there in the odds. But it's a great story. If he could find a way to be in it at least, that would be amazing for ratings, things like that. Uh, not so sure it happens, though. Uh, Xander Shoffley, I want to just mention that uh, it's kind of a good story here. He's going back home. He's from San Diego, and he's never won a major before. So you combine those two things, and he's going to be definitely a really big story this week. And you may say, okay, well, the fact that he's back home, he's never won a major, why would still we still give him a chance? Can he put together the a series of rounds to win this course? And the answer, I think, is yes. Look, last year at uh, Winged Foot at the U.S. Open, and he finished top five, which was a really similar setup to what he's going to see this year. So... Xander Shoffley, interesting story, going back home. Again, I probably wouldn't put that much on him because in the in the odds right now, he's the third favorite. So it's not like he's a some dark horse coming from nowhere, but certainly a really good story, and uh, we're going to be watching what he does as well. Uh, a couple other guys here. Patrick Reed, a lot to like about Patrick Reed this week. Um, Torrey Pines, he's the most recent winner here. So coming back, he was the last pro to win here at Torrey Pines. That does mean a lot historically. And he didn't just win. He went wire to wire and won by five strokes. And uh, that was back in January. So I think Patrick Reed should be someone to watch here. His current odds, Patrick Reed is 25 to one. I don't think that's too bad of a bet at all. I think his, of all the futures in this tournament, I think Patrick Reed 25 to one is one of my favorites. Uh, he finished the the year, but well, so I said top five finish. Uh, excuse me, he won back in January. Top six finished the year before. Top thirteen finished in twenty nineteen. Top twenty finished in twenty eighteen. Okay, if you put together all of his rounds in those years at Torrey Pines, Patrick Reed has played twenty rounds of that course. Nineteen of the twenty rounds were par or better. Patrick Reed is great at this golf course. If there's one player who I think shows up at this course and is zero motivate or zero uh, uh, intimidation factor, it's got to be Patrick Reed. And in that same time frame, if you go back to uh, 2018, 
statistically, over the entire tour, Patrick Reed is first in shots gained for a short game. So short gained, short game, shots gained, he's first. He's third in shots gained total, and he's fourth in overall putting. These are the kind of stats you need to win this kind of a tournament. The fact that he's playing very well, knows this course. Patrick Reed, I think, could be a good bet at 25-1. to 1. Uh, Colin Morikawa. Colin, Morikawa, uh, Colin Morikawa is a very interesting bet this tournament because he's playing very well right now. He's in form. He's If you look at a lot of advanced stats, he's right up there, number one, two, three in the entire tour for a lot, right? When we're talking, like we just did for, for Reed, shots gained, how do you do out of the rough, out of the sand, how are you putting, How's your, uh, uh, how are you hitting off the fairway, coming off the tee? When you look at all these different advanced stats put together, Morikawa right now may be the best player on tour. However, the question comes back, does he have the tools to succeed on a course like this? And I'm not so sure he does. He's not a long hitter. He's accurate, and maybe that's enough to get it done for him. So I wouldn't avoid Morikawa playing maybe some individual matchups, some round-by-rounds, but going overall for the entire U.S. Open tournament, I think Morikawa right now at 22-1, to pretty accurate. You know, he's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. He's seventh, the seventh favorite. And I think that's pretty fair. I think that's pretty accurate. And we don't make bets if the lines are fair and accurate. We make bets when they're incorrect and we have some value. So while I think Morikawa is a good story this year and he's playing very well, he's going to have to play pretty much perfect. And just to elaborate a little bit on that, the reason why short hitters have to be more more accurate more and, and just better is that these roughs are very, very unforgiving. When you don't hit the fairway, it's going to be tough. It's really going to cut into your score. So the more fairways you hit, the better. And the two, well, there's a lot of strategies, but the two sort of uh, boiled down, generalized strategies for this tournament are hit the shit out of the ball, like you're going to see Bryson DeChambeau doing. And if you do find yourself in the rough, try and try and wedge out and then hit your putt. You know, that's the, That's probably the winning most... A profitable uh, approach for this tournament. That's why the long hitters do better. But for guys, for guys like Morikawa, he just has to hit more fairways. He can't be putting himself in these situations where he's hitting out of the rough after driving, you know, 300 yards. So that matters a lot this tournament. So for guys like Morikawa, if you think he's going to be accurate straight down the fairway, very, you know, accuracy is the name of the game for him, then he may not be a bad bet because he's going to get green in regulation, hit those putts, and if he catches fire... He's the kind of guy who doesn't have the style for this course who could win it. But it's worth noting him because you're going to hear Morikawa a lot. And I just, I'm not, I'm not so sure that I would go that way for the tournament. But like I said, maybe not overall U.S. Open champion, but hole by hole, uh, round betting. That's how I'd approach things for uh, Morikawa. And last here, John Rom. Let's not get out of here without little uh, favorite talk. We already mentioned he's 11-1 to and is the favorite. We haven't gone really in-depth about what he's done this year. And for John Rahm, it's about form. Because a couple weeks ago, he was dominating. What? Uh, it was the Memorial Tournament. And he was up, I think, six strokes in the third round. And he got yanked because he tested positive for COVID. I mean, that is tough. And this year, like I said, I talked about form. He's second on, and uh, total strokes gained. And he's first in overall putting. John Rahm has the tools to show up and, and really do well this, this tournament. So he's 26, not a whole lot of experience playing this kind of a tournament. But John Rahm, the favorite, that's why. It's because he's got the tools. He's playing the best he's played in his career. At least if you look at 
his peak performance, we're seeing great tournaments recently. So John Rahm has the tool to get it done. I just wonder because John Rahm is not a huge public. You know, there's going to be a lot more people in the public betting on Brooks Kepka, Xander Shoffley, Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, things like this, right? John Rahm doesn't get a whole lot of public money, but the fact that he's 11 to 1 and the next favorite 16 to 1, that says to me there's probably not much value there anyway. There's a lot, not a whole lot of built-in wiggle room when you're betting the favorite in any 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 odds or any futures pool. So he's got the tools for sure, and he's playing well, but at 11 to 1, I'm not so sure. All right, that does it for today's podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in, listening today. And again, we're changing things up. Fridays are going to be football. And uh, just give us a follow on Twitter at SharpAnglePod for all those little changes. But uh, either way, it's good to be back from Las Vegas. Kind of. It's one of my favorite places on earth, but it's good to be back. All right, good luck, whatever you guys have going on today, tonight. Hope you cash some winners. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle.